0: Back for another episode of End to End. Me and Joe are with you. We're coming off a Stanley Cup Final victory for the Tampa Lightning. And then next week you get right into the offseason with the expansion draft. Free agency uh, almost two weeks away and the draft a week away. So we got a lot of things and a lot of news to talk about on this podcast for the next couple of weeks. But first, we're going to start with that Stanley Cup Finals we haven't really talked about that because we missed it. We haven't recorded since the Stanley Cup Finals lifted by the Tampa Lightning spoiler alert, the Habs lost, your Habs lost in five games to them. But I mean, what a run that was for the Habs. I think we could talk on them for a bit right now.
1: Yeah. So it was an unbelievable run that they went on. Um, I did say on our last episode, I didn't want them to get swept and they didn't. They pulled through at least one at home in game four and overtime. So at least I saw a cup final victory at the very least uh, from Montreal for the first time in my life. So, I mean, like I said, the run was just special. Like everything kind of went well for them. They played really, really well for most of the playoffs. Uh, Obviously their weakest kind of performances were in the finals. I think they just ran out of gas. They ran into the best team in the league in the Tampa Bay Lightning and it was just tough to watch guys like Price and Weber after the after the game. Um, like, all the guys are, like, hugging them and stuff, knowing that, like, that was probably their best opportunity to, to hoist the cup. So, I mean, I'm not that – I've kind of moved on from it already because uh, Italy won the Euros. So, I mean, you were so fired up when that happens. <laughs> I've already moved on from that mentally. But, like – I knew as soon as it was like 2-0 or 3-0 Tampa, like there's no way they were going to win. So I kind of already accepted the fact, but it just sucks that they couldn't score one goal in game five. Vasilevsky, just another series clinching shutout for that guy. Yeah. Um, we could talk about uh, him mm-hmm. winning the Conn Smythe uh, for the first time in his career, deservedly so. There's a lot of other good candidates like Kucherov and point, but I think Vasilevsky is the real driver of this particular cup run even last year he was spectacular but this year he was on another level and just credit to tampa they're the best team in the league i've said it multiple times i said it on this podcast that they would go back to back and they did um it's going to be a lot different for them next year they have a lot of cap troubles as as everyone knows 18 mm-hmm. million over the cap and all that so just congrats to tampa uh a dynasty officially um just it's they're just they're like my second favorite team to watch so i'm not that mad yeah so it is what it is
0: Nope. and you mentioned Vashlevsky as well uh won the Conn Smythe deservedly so i believe the next closest player was Kucherov and that was coming off a year where he didn't even play the season and he steps right into the playoffs and was almost a front runner from that MVP trophy the Conn Smythe so i think Vashlevsky won it i don't know if you agree with that because he was just a monster. I mean, I think he has five straight clinching series shutouts or something, and he had one in the Stanley Cup Finals last year when they won versus Dallas. So, I mean, it was about time. And he and he also lost another on the to Vesna too. So maybe that kind of played a factor into this winning the con Smythe. I don't know, but
1: yeah, I don't know either. But like, didn't he have like a sub two goals against average the whole playoffs like so a nine thirty five save percentage? <laughs> like that's and for like twenty plus games. Like I said, five s- straight series clinching shutouts. Like, who the hell has done that in like the last 30 years? I don't think anyone. So, just the run that he's on is unreal. He's the best goalie in the league, obviously, even yep. though he didn't win the Vezna. Um, it, it, he's just, are, he is the best in the league. Um, he's 20, he's only 26. He's already like a first Ball Hall of Famer for me. <laughs> um, there's, got, there's multiple first Ball Hall of Famers on that team. Been well-built, perfect drafting and trades, free agent signings. Everything went right for them for these back-to-back cup wins. Um, They were relatively healthy for the most part. Um, Obviously, there's been reports that Kucherov had the fractured rib that we all kind of knew when we saw that versus Islanders. Then Hedman was playing on a torn meniscus on his knee, so he needs surgery for that. Mm -hmm. But other than that, they they play like a team – they dominated m- most of the finals, um, and they definitely deserve to win. Yep.
0: Yeah, and I think you put it here, and we also said in our group chats multiple times, I think this might be the best team in the cap era we've seen. Uh, the 2015 Chicago team comes close, but I think this team was just full of skilled players, hard-nosed players, great defense, and a great goalie, and also a great coach. And I'm not saying the Chicago team wasn't because, well, if you remember, that Chicago team beat basically – this whole core of the Tampa Lightning team in 2015, which is incredible as well. But this team was like all in their prime and some players all young. And then some veteran presence, they had everything of of everything. Their third line was grinding, but could also play skilled way and score. And I'm pretty sure that line had the most goals in the Stanley Cup finals. So that just tells you how much they kind of lifted that team spirits. That second line wasn't doing too well. Obviously the first line still pumping, but it just tells you what kind of team this is. They have each other's back, and clearly they did this the Stanley Cup finals they won.
1: Yeah, like you said, like the best team in the Cap era, I think they are just if you're if you're gonna compare them to the 2015 Blackhawks, they have a much better depth and on on forwards D and obviously the better goalie between like him or Vasilevsky or Crawford if you're picking like head to head. So they're they are comparable in that sense, but this is just like if you're just looking at roster bottom yeah top to bottom they're like on another level (laughs) so kudos to them they built it they use that cap flexibility that's legal that the nhl allows yep um they use it to their advantage so kudos to them
0: yeah, I don't know if that's come in the GM's meetings. I think it's been having like since Monday they've been having the meetings. I don't think that's come up yet, but maybe someone sprinkled that idea in there that that shouldn't be allowed. So
1: maybe Vergev ended it a little <laughs> bit.
0: <laughs> well, the Tambor Lightning did it years ago when Chicago did it to them. So karma, I guess, basically went back and they kind of used it to their advantage, right? So yep. And one of those guys who was using it to advantage during the season was Kucherov, who had a plentyful of things to say on the mic. As they won the Stanley Cup, I believe a few hours after they won the cup, and one of the comments was, I think Montreal was their Stanley Cup Finals was last round when they beat Vegas. I I I don't think I could disagree with that really.
1: Um, sure, but like I I get where he's coming from with that. It's just more that they've never seen, um, like fans haven't seen that are younger than like thirty haven't seen them make the final so the fact that they were underdogs in every series that they that's the they the I finals think, yeah. is mo- more the reason why like yeah. if they were like Tampa where you're kind of expected to kind of be at that upper echelon then then I don't think the celebrations would have been that big I don't know mm-hmm. but I do agree with them they they did celebrate way too much for them just making the finals um, and <laughs> just like come on man like you don't need to trash another team's fan base like I don't know. You don't need to trash other fans. Yeah. You don't need to trash other fans. You just won back to back. <laughs> I mean, you're celebrating this like mm-hmm. 10 times more than the first one. Um, and deservedly. So, cause going back to back's harder, but it's just a low blow.
0: Yeah. I don't know what else he said. I forgot. I'm, well, he, he said was... that
1: was the number one bullshit part of that's right. That fans. Yeah, it was. Okay. So yeah, so that was part of it. We're going to play it in our, in, an, yeah. in the later segment. Every, he also talked about, you know, uh, Flurry winning the Vezna, how it was basically like trashing on like Flurry <laughs> and Vasilevsky should have won it. The 18 million over the cap. He said that as well. There's a few other things he said, but he was just like outrageous in that interview. It was funny to see. He's now officially a villain in the NHL. Mostly by Montreal fans, not really by me. Yeah. Yeah, Not really by me, but like other Montreal fans when he plays when he goes to the Bell Center next season, he's gonna get booed the shit out of. (laughs) Um, but yeah, he's now officially a villain and he embraces it. So the NHL needs more of that, like the NBA has. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. I think this is one of the first times where we're seeing a player, obviously under the influence of alcohol, but actually voicing his opinion and what's right and what's wrong in the league and He did that, and I don't think he got a fine for any of that. I don't think so either. (laughs) (laughs) So he got away scot-free, basically, under the influence, and then he signed with Bud Light, which is pretty funny. So, I mean, he's been really taking it. Like, all the low blows he's gotten from the team and the organization of the $18 you know, this team maybe can't go back-to-back. He's been all year saving cap space. He's just been taking and just riding with it. So we'll we'll see where that goes next year when they lose a couple of guys that basically had them handcuffed to go $18 million over the salary going the playoffs, but we'll see what the Lightning do next year. Just staying on the topic of the Stanley Cup final, I think this is the best ratings in sports in history, correct?
1: Yes, so this is, like, way higher than last year. So I think it was 73% more than last year because it was, like, Dallas and Tampa. Not really two big hockey markets. Obviously, as we'll get into the American ratings, the reason why is because the Canadian team was in the final, so that helps a lot. But it's just it's good to see that you know all the money that I guess teams and stuff have lost. They they did break records here in Canada, which is good. But the on the on the NBC side, it was actually the lowest Stanley Cup final uh, since 2007, and that was between another non-hockey market, in Anaheim, and another Canadian team in the Ottawa Senators, which also went five games. So it just shows that like American audiences do not really care at all about Canadian teams whatsoever. And then even so, like even the good American teams like Tampa, yeah. like they're not in, they're not in like a Chicago or a Boston market or a, like, you know, one of those big New York and all that stuff. LA is a big market. So it just goes to show like it's still, there's still like a lot of growth to be had in in the States in terms of viewership for hockey.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess Gary Bettman's right. Doesn't like to, kind of like hockey in Canada for some reason. That's why he keeps expanding to the United States. So I guess he has a point here. But at the same time, it's very disappointing for us to see that, especially on the American side. Like, I'm not saying Montreal is a bad team. They didn't deserve to be there. They definitely did. It's just like they're still not giving credit to a team where uh, they were on a Cinderella run. Like, I don't think people realize that, right? And. I know. I, I'd, I'd want to watch a Cinderella team in the finals versus a powerhouse team. I want to see how they match up. Exactly. Obviously. Like
1: if you're a neutral fan, like you kind of want to see the Cinderella story kind of happen or come true.
0: Yeah. So, well, ratings are, are something I don't really pay attention to that much, but when it's involving and when it's positive, for sure, the sports that I want, that's definitely something to look at and something to look forward to next year for sure. Yeah. All right. That was Stanley Cup Final Talk. We'll get into basically all the nitty-gritty stuff that is happening after the Stanley Cup Finals. But this piece of news happened during, I think, the third period of the Tampa Bay versus Montreal, game five. Tarasenko, yes, he still exists. He's on the St. Louis Blues. Yep, he still plays hockey. He's had three shoulder surgeries, I believe. I don't know if it was the same one, the same muscle, the same bone, whatever it is in there in his shoulder. He's basically going to have a cyborg arm soon at this point, but he's had three of them. St. Louis doctors cannot get it right. And he's finally requested a trade out of St. Louis after winning the Stanley Cup with them in 2019. This was a storyline where I think people could probably put it together why he requested the trade. Obviously, the medical staff, but where the hell is this guy going? And what did you think about when this happened?
1: um yeah like I can't be honest I'm not that surprised based on it like you said like we almost kind of forgot he existed and this is a guy that was a crucial part of their 2019 cup win I think he scored like 10 or 11 goals during that run so he was huge for them he has been like a a pretty bona fide like sniper during his career in St. Louis but like you said the shoulder surgeries have been just brutal like apparently like the first two like weren't correct like It was supposed to be more major, and then they they only cleaned up some like cartilage. Like I have no idea, but apparently this time he's fully, fully healthy after the third one that he just had. Mm
0: -hmm. Third time's
1: a charm. Yeah, exactly. Third time's a charm. So I don't know where he's gonna end up. I could see a. I don't know if he's gonna go to a Western Conference team or an Eastern Conference team. He's got two years left at seven and a half million per year, so he's still on a pretty decent contract. It's not like a huge albatross. He's only, I think he's turning thirty later this year, so he's not like a over the hill. Mm-hmm. He just has he hasn't played really, and you don't know if he's going to be the same type of player if he's fully healthy next year. So I'm not sure like what kind of return St. Louis would be looking for for a guy like this, assistant captain, and all that. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. There have been reports that like you know Montreal is maybe interested. I don't know about that, um, but we'll see what what happens there.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is a guy who was basically a lock for 35 goals every season. (laughs) So, I mean, if you want to take that on to your team, sure, I would. But I don't know if he might do that again with all those things that are happening with the injuries, right? So maybe a medical staff of any other team would uh, kind of mend that injury and not make that happen again. And maybe he gets back to the 30-goal form. But, yeah, I don't even know what his value is at this point. Like, it's, it's not Jack Eichel territory where, like, Obviously, the neck injury might play a factor in the value, but with Tarasenko, it's happened like it's two years now that he's this has happened with three different shoulder surgeries. So, like, it's definitely affecting the value for sure. So, we're we'll see where he goes. We have a lot of players who are basically on the trading block that are very have a very like good caliber of hockey play, and when they do play, so we'll see what happens with Tarasenko and the Blues. They've been a big question mark. This past year, especially, I guess, squeaking into that playoff spot. And then I don't know what they're, I don't know where they're going in the future. So we'll see what happens with Tarasenko, but we have a few signings here and then we'll get to one trade that was embarrassing, but we'll get to these signings. We could quickly mention them. Uh, Brandon Carlo this morning, re-signed, I believe six years, 4.1 per for the defenseman. He was also injured this year, basically. And he gets this deal. I, I think it's a bit rich in terms of money, but. We'll see how he performs next year.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit over. Like, I would have given him, like, just under four. But the term's fine because he's only 24 years old, I think, or 25. So the term's fine. Just, yeah, over $4 million for a guy that has a little bit of injury problems already in his career is a bit concerning. But especially if it's concussion-related, that's not a good sign. Yeah. But when healthy, he's a really good uh, shutdown defenseman. Big guy yeah. that could skate.
0: Yep, for sure and then another guy another defenseman on the Leafs Travis Dermott resigns 2 years 1.5 with the Leafs don't know how that uh, how that affects expansion but I don't know if it's a solid signing i I wouldn't use that word here I'd use decent I guess because you gave a guy a upgrade in money when he had a arguably his worst season in the National Hockey League. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he went from 700K, I think, and he basically doubled that. Like, I would have been fine if for $1 million a year, but I don't know why the extra 500K needed to be there. And like you said, he didn't do anything much this year. Um, but we'll see what happens for, like, in terms of expansion.
0: Yeah, we'll see about that. And then Teddy Bluger on the Penguins just re signed a couple of minutes ago. Two years, 2.2 per season. So, solid depth guy for the Penguins. Maybe he stays, maybe he goes in expansion. But I feel like some of these deals are getting done very quickly. I I don't remember I don't remember like this quick after the Stanley Cup final, these deals were getting done. They usually get done before the Stanley Cup Finals and before the playoffs. But here we are. And we're looking at all these depth guys signing these deals. Maybe that affects expansion. I don't know, but
1: Yeah, it has to affect expansion in terms of maybe like there there's potential side deals with Seattle on who to take and, and all that. So we'll see, like we said, we'll see it all, when it all happens next week on Wednesday, we'll see what happens, who they select the side deals that happen, which is a pretty funny part of it. Um, but It's all going to be so interesting next week.
0: Yep. So those are the signings there. And now we go into the biggest news, wackiest news, whatever word you want to use for this trade that happened, I believe Monday. And there was reports that Duncan Keith wanted trade. I believe he said, no, we might've said on the podcast that he was going to be dealt to a Western Canadian team. But that was like, I think the very early days of that trade even happening, but here we are and the deal's done <laughs> and, and, and that's it. Like, we're just going to read the trade and this is the deal. So go ahead and say it
1: all right so duncan keith in his two years at five and a half per are being traded to the edmonton oilers for 23 year old defenseman caleb jones in a third round pick in 2022 as i said it's the full five and a half for duncan keith so no salary retained by chicago in this deal which is just awful that makes it the worst part of the whole thing if 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 half was retained, I would be okay with this deal. I wouldn't like (laughs) it. I would be okay with it because Duncan Keith at two and a half or whatever is not awful, but five and a half is awful. So I don't know what the hell Ken Holland's doing on this one. I think the guy thinks he's still like 28 instead of 38. Um, Just, I don't know what they're, they're doing here. They don't have much cap space um to spend they need to add more depth on forward and instead they turn around and trade for a guy making five and a half that's just not like a shell of what he used to be so (laughs) what are your thoughts on this
0: i like duncan keith as a player but duncan keith i think everyone has to remember is not the duncan keith from years ago even five years ago for that matter this deal I think the worst part about it is not even the trade it's the way you got you got him at full price you got him at 5.5 for the next two years I think it's actually three years I think let me check I'll check quickly I think it's actually three years so that makes it even worse because I believe he's owed the full salary this year two million the next year and then two million the next year after that but I could be wrong I, I believe he's going till 41. let me just clarify that.
1: I think it's two. Yeah, it's two. So next year and the year after. But like you said, he's only owed like 3 million dollars out of the 11 in terms of actual money, but it's the cap hit that actually counts, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, he's this this the next year and the year after left.
0: Yeah, this is like I don't like you're trying to help Connor McDavid the best player in the world get over the hump and Adding quote unquote veteran presence to your lineup for $5.5 million and having to trade pieces with it to get them is it just boggles my mind because you can sign a guy in free agency. You can get a cheaper guy who's making cheaper money off of a trade like there's teams out there. There's my team out here who's freaking tossing first round picks out of the wazoo for freaking Patty Marlowe's contract to get off the books. And here here's Edmonton paying for Duncan Keith's contract in their books.
1: Yeah. Like literally like Chicago should be giving Edmonton like a (laughs) second round pick for taking Keith and then like the Oilers give up Caleb Jones and that's it. So it's like that, like, I just don't understand it whatsoever. Like, did he have like dementia doing the call? I have no clue, but that's just an awful, awful trade.
0: Yeah, and there's I think there's plenty more to come through this offseason, not even from just Ken Hall and just I think GM's being stupid out there. So that this is the one trade that kicks off the offseason in very very good fashion. Yeah. And then the next piece of news happened yesterday, the buyout news. This was one that I just didn't really see coming at all wow. because I thought that these guys would stay on the roster, but Minnesota Wild buyout Zach Parise and Ryan Suter and their contracts, I believe, were 7.5 for the next four years. So they owe them money for the next eight, I believe. And mm-hmm. I, I I would have thought just maybe Parise getting bought out, but both of them is really surprising.
1: Yeah, this was an absolute shock. <laughs> the fact that they both signed with the Wild like nine years ago and they got bought out together on the same day is just so, like, I've never seen that happen in my life for any, like, sport. So it's just, like, I don't get it. Like, like Suter, especially. Like, he's still a decent four, number four defenseman. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, he he's not worth seven and a half million, but like, he's still a solid player. Like, the fact that you're basically paying him to not play for you, even though he could still provide value to you, is just dumb. Prize is like a slow down like a more. I would say. So, like you said, like I would have maybe expected him to get bought out. But the fact that it's both and like they don't even save that much cap at all like after this year. So this year they do save it uh, this upcoming season. But in, I think in like years two, three, and four, they don't save like anything. So like I don't understand what the hell they were trying to do here. Um, it just really boggles my mind. Like are you going to give Kaprasov like $15 million or something? Like I don't know what to say. Like they lost two quality veteran guys – basically like minnesota wild legends at this point because the franchise (laughs) doesn't really have a history so um just i don't know what to say about that one that one just came out of left field and shocked the hockey world
0: yeah and i mean the two usa guys they played for the team usa basically and they go to minnesota hopefully to save the franchise and they put the franchise in mediocrity for basically their whole tenure in minnesota and Now I think there'll still be mediocrity for the rest of Minnesota until those contracts are done because, like you said, they're not saving much cap in the next few years of their contract. But the Suter one I don't get because he's actually still pretty good. And whether he's going to the market, right, and I think a team's going to pay him three mil, four mil. And I think that's very suitable for Ryan Suter for a year, two years. So with Zach Parise, though, I, I don't. I don't know, like that was not worth 7.5 million because obviously he barely played and was when he played, he wasn't even good. Mm -hmm. So with him, I I don't know, man, I think he might be down in the million dollar range for another team. Islanders are said to be on him. I know you said that in our group chat. He was rumored to be traded there. I don't know who the other guy was going from the Islanders, but that was a Lou Lamorello um, connection there. So he maybe could end up at somewhere else for cheap, but Ryan Suter is the one I don't get. He's still a good defenseman. And now they have to protect Dumba, Spurgeon, and Brodeen, I believe. So we'll see yeah. what happens with the Wild, And then Jack Eichel rumors into that. I don't know what happens now.
1: Yeah, like maybe they do make a solid pitch for Eichel now. They do have assets to trade him, and maybe they just needed that cap space for this year. I don't know. Because like, like I said, they don't save much after this, this season. So like unless they're going to trade for him and then just kind of kick that can down the road, then I don't know what, what the plan is for Billy Guerin over there. But like you said, like for, like for those guys going to the open market, like, like I, like, I agree suitors still like can get three to $4 million on like a one or two year deal. Um, and play for like a contender, maybe like Colorado or something who knows. Um, but, yeah, and then Parisi, like, I think he's going to be, like, a, le- a league man or, like, a $1 million guy, maybe 1.5, like how Wayne Simmons got with Toronto last year. Like, I still think he could provide some value if he plays, like, second power play here and there, and the, like, on the third line. Yeah. So I could see him going to, like, a- another contender. Like, I could even see the Leafs maybe picking him up for a league man or even Tampa Bay <laughs> a little but – um yeah those two guys could still they both can still play one more so than the other so it was just more shocking it's not like these guys were dead weight no they were they both of them like okay pre like Suter helped them make the playoffs last year he wasn't fantastic but he was solid so these guys could still play and it'll be interesting to see where they end up
0: yep yeah we'll definitely be interested to see i don't (laughs) I can't see them signing with the same team. I just can't. They're not going to do that again. No. And uh, we'll see what happens with those two. But, yeah, very shocking news. A buyout news that big. So we'll see what happens in the future with buyouts because I don't think there's many players out there that are going to get bought out because I believe that whole – I think it was 2015 or 2016 free agent class is up next year with uh, Louis Erickson, Milan Lucic, James Neal, I believe. So. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens with those guys. I don't see them getting bought out with a year left on their deal. That makes no sense. So no. we'll see what happens with buyouts for sure. But that was the last big news uh basically we're announcing because the next piece of news is something that's been trickling in for the flaggers this whole season. It's Jacob Vorchak and how he was displeased with the media all year. And then he came out with, I think it was Travis Kneckney on the on an interview, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but we had that on our what you say and he was very he's he hasn't been very satisfied with the flyers media in the last couple of years so he apparently is being left unprotected and allegedly asked for a trade and this is a guy who's still a solid player still can play make at a great level skate at a great level but him on the flyers would just be pretty weird on without, without the flyers sorry
1: yeah it would be he's been there almost his whole career obviously he started off in columbus he was part of the jeff carter trade i believe so that was, like, about 10 years ago, I think. So he's been, like, a flyer for basically his whole career. Um, He still has, like, a lot of money left on his contract, I believe over $8 million for the next three years. And he's he's only 31. He's not that old. It seems like he's a lot older because he looks like he's, like, 50 <laughs> with that beard and stuff. But he's still a solid. He can still skate. He's a, he's mostly a playmaker, so he's not going to score you, you know, 25, 30 goals. They might set up – 35 to 40 if he's playing good minutes and stuff like that. So if whoever, say, Seattle takes him or he gets mm-hmm. traded somewhere, he's still a solid player, Not definitely not worth his cap hit. No. If if maybe Philly retains a certain percentage, not 50%, but maybe you know, 10 12% of that cap, maybe that makes it a little bit more appealing. Right. Like how uh, the Leafs did with the Phil Kessel trade to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. similar to that. So we'll see what happens with Jake Voracek.
0: Yeah, they flyers like we're talking about teams that have a lot of work to do. This one has a lot of work to do because I don't know what they are. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad. They have some guys who can play hockey, they have some guys who can't. So we'll see what happens with the flyers in the offseason. And then more news on the unprotected list and who's going to get taken. We know for sure uh, Skinner will not be or is moving his no move clause. So he makes nine million for the next, I think, the next six years. I believe. (laughs) in buffalo which is bonkers to say and Matt shane in asheville is being left unprotected reportedly so just two guys man luke like we're so good and then they get the money and just, that's it
1: yeah like like you said they were real both of them are really good like skinner in carolina like the guy would score like 30 plus in his sleep like I think he even hit 40 one year. I may be wrong there. He was but, on Buffalo, yeah. Yeah, he hit 40 on Buffalo, but he was like a guaranteed like 30 goal guy with Carolina. They traded him away, obviously, because they didn't want to pay him for that specific reason. He scores 40 with Eichel, and it's been an absolute disaster since. Uh, I think he's, I don't even think Skinner's 30 yet. So just such a disaster of a situation. Same with Duchesne. Like he was like kind of like a, he was perceived to be, I think, better than he should have been when he got traded from Colorado to Ottawa uh, a while ago now, yeah. and then like his value's just gone down and down ever since. And then Nashville, of course, just loves giving out these eight by eights for some reason to these forwards, and it just has not worked out whatsoever. Um, so it's not a surprise that he's left unprotected. I don't even think Seattle's would be dumb to take either of them. Yeah, no, maybe yeah. maybe Duchesne, I could see it, but highly doubt it with that contract. But I mean, just overall, like, this is why I think they need to change the whole contract thing with the NHL, where it's like you have to get rid of the eight years. It's either like if you're, or seven years or whatever, since it's a free agent. I think five years should be the absolute max now. And if you're like, if you're resigned with your team, it's six years. So, like, basically shaving two years off uh, of these max contracts because just, it's just way too many bad contracts in the league still
0: yeah and i talk about that point like i don't even think that the league should be stepping in to say that i think the owners and other general managers should be because at the end of the day the general managers and owners are signing those deals and they keep signing them de- all those deals repeatedly and repeatedly we've seen i just talked about the louis erickson and milan Lucic, james neal those are examples and they're way worse players Jeff Skinner and Matthew Shane, I think we could agree on that, but yep. it's just the same song and dance every summer. We see a guy overpaid. He falls off the face of the earth and we never see, hear from him again. And then when we do hear from him, it's either a, him getting paid or a, or B being bought out. So we, I think general managers got to be real, real smart with this and leaving one protected is smart because I guess they want to protect players that are actually matter and want to be on their team because like you said, I don't think they're going to be picking these players Seattle, but it's just the same song and dance every summer we see. And it's never going to end until the general managers and owners step in and say, what the hell is going on here?
1: Yeah, basically it's just, I don't get how these guys that are like second liners, third liners are getting like 8 million and like 9 million. Like it just doesn't make sense. Like if you're not like a franchise player, you're not yeah. touching like North of 8 million. That's, that's just how it should be. So yeah. I don't get like why like Duchesne would get 8 million. The guy hasn't done anything in his career in terms of winning. He's won one playoff round, I think, in his career. And the guy's like, yeah, you're 8 by 8. You're going to be lead our team to victory. It's like, no, no, he's not.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to touch on a point. I think you just said it. It was like, I, I don't know, like maybe maybe they cut down the years on the contract and stuff, but it's, it's just coming back to the general managers where you look at yourself. Like you just said, the franchise players, do Shane Finch it? No. Is Skinner? No. So don't give them 8 million. And the point I want to bring up is if you don't sign these guys, you look like an absolute idiot. If you don't like imagine Jeff Skinner scoring 43 goals and just walking in free agency, You, you they couldn't have done that.
1: Yeah, they couldn't have. That's also, that's why I like being a general manager is harder than It's harder than us uh, here sitting in our armchair, GMs over here. But Mm -hmm. it's just, I just don't know where this like value comes from. Like, Mm -hmm. like I said, like the franchise, like Skinner. Even though he scored forty, he's still not a franchise player, or else he wouldn't have been traded. How he was to Buffalo, Um, Carolina would have built around him and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So just like I don't know, like how they got to nine million for Skinner, that I will never understand. Like the guy makes more than. (laughs) dry sidle for god's sake (laughs) so i don't know it's just something needs to change with these contracts because even though they made some changes where it's not like no one's signing like kovalchuk to 12 years and all that (laughs) um and like whatever but it's just like it's still eight years it's like eight million for a guy that's like a second liner and that's not going to be like the one that kind of gets you over the hump
0: he's going to be getting you down the slope (laughs) Yes, (laughs)
1: but by the end of that contract. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. So we'll see what happens. Bad contracts are handed out every summer, like I said. There's going to be one this summer, and we already know maybe a few guys who can maybe get that money. So we'll see what happens there. Now this is management news and coaching news, obviously. So Pierre McGuire is back in the management side of hockey because he was rumored all last year to be in play for the Pittsburgh general manager job. And he's hinted on the NBC broadcast that he wants to get back into management. And now that NBC folded, he didn't get asked by ESPN. He has been hired by the Ottawa senators as the president of player development. Can't say that with a straight face. What are your thoughts on this one? So basically I woke up Monday and a
1: Canadian team did this, and then I finished work on Monday, and then a Canadian team did the (laughs) Keith trade. So it was just an absolute carnival fest for Canadian teams on Monday. Um, I don't like this hire at all. Um, This is a guy that hates analytics, and I know we don't talk about analytics that much on our podcast, and we're not a huge like thinking that it should be the be-all, end-all, but we do think there's value there. Pierre Maguire is a guy that sees no value in it. And if you have a guy that's in charge of player development and Ottawa has a bunch of prospects here, if he doesn't, if they don't do their cards right with these prospects, they are screwed for life and he will be fired horribly. <laughs> so unless he kind of starts accepting analytics in terms of decision-making and like how to play players or like, I don't even know, like coaching and all that, then he might ruin some prospects yeah. legitimately if he has this, this old school mindset of just not being able to adapt to like modern hockey. Obviously, he's commented on the game; he's been around the game, but he's still kind of obsessed with these like fourth liners that are like amazing, which they're they're important, yes, in the playoffs. But he like overemphasizes how good they actually are, right? Um, so it's just like. Hopefully it works out for Ottawa because they do have an exciting tool of prospects and they look like by the end of the, by the end of this season, they were like on the ups and ups. They were beating teams left, right, right. They were on winning streaks. So they're headed in the right direction. DJ Smith's a good coach. Just their goalie is a question mark right now with Matt Murray and that awful contract right now. But I don't like this hire really at all.
0: Yeah, and I don't know how much Pierre Maguire plays a factor in throughout the season. I don't know if we're going to be hearing much from him, but Russo said on the podcast that, uh, I think it was Russo or Tom, they said that uh, if, like, Pierre Dorian can't make it to the stage for, like, GM, I don't know, like, addressing the crowd, they're going to get Pierre Maguire to do it. Oh, my God. That. Please, no. <laughs> That'd be... It. So, I don't know how much he's going to play into a factor in the season, or if, or if we even hear from him all year, but... He's going to be in the Ottawa Senators organization and clearly if there's no player development, we understand who it's coming from. So Pierre Maguire hired as president of player development for the Senators. Now we move into another Canadian team and I believe they did this yesterday. The Montreal Canadiens signed Dominic Ducharme as their head coach officially for the next three seasons. What are your thoughts on this one? I know at the start of his tenure, you did not like his coaching style. Obviously at the end of the tenure, he went on that Cinderella run. Wasn't there for a couple, I believe a couple weeks because of the COVID issue, but all in all good, bad, ugly. I don't know. What is that thought?
1: Um, I'm kind of still like, okay. They did make the final. Yes. I don't love how they still play every from game to game. Like they, they play very well defensively as you saw in the playoffs. Um, Just, I feel like he mixes his lines too much. And then like, he did not play Romanoff, like, at yeah. all in the playoffs, which I didn't like at all. Played, like, goddamn, like, Merrill for some reason. Um, and then, like, just, at, like, scratching Cockanyemi in the last even game. Even Caulfield like, to start. Yeah, I didn't even play Caulfield to start the playoffs, which is just stupid because the kid was had a great playoff run, yep. especially versus Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um So like I'm okay with it. They did go on the run, so I I can't be like mad at it because he did he made some tactical choices, especially from game five versus the Leafs, basically throughout the rest of the playoffs. They just completely changed plans, basically, and it worked for them. So I'm not I mean, three years is not too much of a like a I guess a contract if it like goes south or whatever. They also signed like assistant coach Luke Richardson for three years. And he was the one that actually helped finish off the Vegas series where he went. They won, I think, two or three of the games and lost one. So I guess having those guys back as a coaching staff, I'm happy about overall. I think they got to extend Burroughs and they're going to add someone else, I think. But overall, like, I can't really complain too much about it. It's not like he's paid it. That much money. So I think it's right. only like 1.6 million a year or something like that.
0: Yeah, this signing reminds me a lot of Rick Bonus from last year because he obviously had the interim tag. Yeah. But it gave his team a chance to win the Stanley Cup, went to the final, and then obviously resigned. And I think that's something where, like, maybe some people like Dominic Ducharme out there, maybe people don't, but it's something where, like, if you don't resign him, you look like, again, you look like an idiot because this guy got you to the finals. Whether your team got lucky, didn't deserve to be there, it doesn't matter that they were in the finals and Tom McTusherm was a part of that staff. And I think he's done the job, I guess, cause he got to the final. Right. So can't really complain.
1: Yeah. He's also like a young coach. Like yep. this is his first actual head coaching job. So like, I can't be that critical on him. Cause like, he still has like stuff to learn and like, maybe he'll adapt some things into going into next year. Obviously Caulfield's going to be there full time and playing with Suzuki. So maybe he'll adjust some things here and there. So it's not like like it's kind of similar to Rick Bonus, but Rick Bonus was it like on the other end where it's like the guy was in coaching for 35 yeah, years like yeah. as a head coach and assistant and all that and then he became head coach of Dallas again. So like it's kind of like that, but like I'll, I'll see what happens next year with this <laughs> Yeah,
0: and Bergevin I think is going to be a bit busy this summer acquiring guys who maybe they need some scoring touch on that team because they didn't really have that in the playoffs sometimes, except for Caulfield and then Toffoli went dry for a bit, but we'll see what happens with the Habs. I fully expect them to be competitive next year for sure. So
1: yeah, they need a left winger ASAP because right now they don't really have one. (laughs) Um, So the last piece of news here, and it's actually a bit of a, a, I guess a sour note to end but not really because it's celebrating a great career and that's Pekka Rinne retiring uh, from the Nashville Predators after 15 years with the team. He won the Vesna, I believe in 2017, um, 18, went to the cup finals in 2017. I believe he has like a few Olympic medals with Finland. Um, just overall, obviously the best goalie in Nashville Predators history um, Probably one of the best finished goalies in their history. Um, do you think Pecorine is a Hall of Famer, though?
0: I don't know. Like, it's weird because it's a guy who has hardware, obviously. He has the Vesna, and he just won the King Clancy this year as well. So that really helps us, I, I think, personally. But for me, he's on the fringe because we're seeing guys from 20 years ago where we're like, oh, he's still not in the Hall of Fame. Why the hell wasn't he in the Hall of Fame? And I think Pecorine might be that guy where in 20 years we look at this guy – Pekarini were like, how the hell is he not in the Hall of Fame? He was 19th all time NHL wins, so I think that's a guy down the road. Yeah, definitely he could be looked at. I just don't think he's a lock right now. But with the Nashville Predators team, he was an eighth round pick for God's sake. They don't even exist anymore. <laughs> uh, maybe he's on the fringe for sure. Like he's definitely in consideration for that award or that uh, accomplishment. Just I don't know if I would say that right now. He's definitely a lock to go up in the banners for Nashville 35.
1: Oh 100% the banners will be like probably next year or the year after whenever they're allowed to do it. Um for me, he also I think he's also a fringe hall of famer. I'm leaning more yes. Yeah. Um I'm going to say like maybe within the next okay, I, th- I think I' have to wait like 4 years after you retire, so I think within the next 10 years for sure he'll be in the Hall of Fame. I could I'll guarantee that. <laughs> so by 2031, Pecquer will be in the Hall of Fame. But Yeah, like you said, 19th all-time and wins. That's no small feat for a guy. Again, picked in the eighth round that doesn't exist. He's cut from the same cloth as a Henrik Lundqvist. Well, Lundqvist is obviously better. But, like, in terms of late draft pick, no one really knew who he was. Came up, had a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Obviously, Rene didn't capture that cup, unfortunately. Had one chance, like I said, in 2017. But... I mean, he had a very great career for Nashville. He's a Nashville icon and legend. Yep. That probably means more to him than anything, and what he did to the community, obviously winning the King Clancy. So, what a solid career, Pekka Rene had.
0: He's also one of the goalies to score an NHL goal. So that helped. yes,
1: and I think that was only like last year, right? <laughs> yeah, it was last year. <laughs>
0: so that, that I don't know if that maybe put some, put some over the freaking boards, but that definitely helps with this case for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right, that's all the news we have and I guess you go into the what you say. What you say. And we mentioned this on the top of the the episode. Kate Kucherov, man, buzzing in that pre- or post-game interview.
1: Oh yeah. I'm going to just roll some of the highlights from that press conference for uh this what you say. There's no specific quote here.
0: Jaw. Let's hear it. <laughs> You know, uh, to be able to win this game is huge. Wassey was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Wassey, you're MVP.
1: You're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in
0: Vegas, uh, the Vezina. And then last year they they gave Vezina to somebody else. Number one bull****. (laughs) (laughs) Number one bull****.
1: (laughs). took both cups.
0: You know, he took MVP and I was keep telling him he's MVP. He's the guy that
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's the best. I'm so happy we. (laughs) I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted, the fans in Montreal, come on. They acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Their final was last, last series.
0: Okay. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, Kucherov, Bud Light like gets to, maybe if it was one, two, the adrenaline just pumping and you don't even know what to say when you're up there. So that's what he said.
1: Yeah, just good for him. Like I said, he's now embraced the full identity of the villain in the NHL. Obviously, he's a fantastic player, which makes it even more appealing. If you're like an outside fan, kind of watching what he said and all that, like, who's this Kucherov guy? (laughs) Why is he talking so much shit and all that? But then you realize he's like a top five player in the league. And you're like, oh, okay, this guy's good then. So uh, the NHL probably honestly loves that for like their marketing for next year. They can kind of paint him maybe in like a, in a specific way
0: yeah maybe i don't know if NHL does a great job at doing that but they definitely should take consideration on that but before that what you say the kucherov uh post-game interview the what you say for me i I was just dialed into this one where cooper was uh interviewed at the end of the game after they won and he basically said uh this team basically not going to be together and that's something we've never really heard before around the national hockey league we've i don't think joel quenville said that when chicago won in 2015 uh, where I think it was Mike Sullivan won it in 2017. We've really never heard that from a coach. And then he goes out and says, I think it was to Kyle Pekoskis, where he said, this team is not going to be here next year. We know that. And this is why we put our heart and soul into this. So that was like really like just like deep quote from John Cooper there.
1: Yeah, that was a great one. I remember listening to that as well. Like they even like he even said too, like Stan Coast and McDonough would say to the yep. group, like when they were, I think, like, game seven versus the Islanders or something like that, or, like, when they were – I don't even know if they were down in any series, but when whenever, like, they were back, they were against the wall. Like, they those two guys, he said, would step up and say, hey, like, mm-hmm. we know this cap situation. We're not going to have the same team as next year. Let's go out there and, and go back to back because we're not going to be as talented as we were this year as, as next year. So let's do that. And that, like you said, like, that. I've never heard a coach say mm-hmm. that even Breeze boss said it like a few days, like during their cup parade, he even said like, yeah, this group's not going to be the same as next year. So they just, it just goes to show that like, they really kind of saw their opportunity and like played their ass off and seized it. And that's what they did.
0: Yeah. And it's something that we think as fans, when we're like, okay, this team has that one shot to do it. And there's this window and that's exactly what the players and management think too. So it's good to see that we're, not on the same level of like thinking, but it's also cool to see, like, oh, that's their like thinking as well going into a back to back Stanley Cup opportunity. So, pretty cool stuff there from John Cooper and the Lightning. Lightning win back to back. I mean, just incredible as well. That's all hockey basically until September when the exhibition game starts. So, Basically, this podcast is going to be all news from now on. All news. Maybe we could do some top ten lists here. in on the summer, we have lots of time between now and September. Yeah. So, that's it for me. Uh, articles coming out. We're releasing the Seattle Kraken articles. So one is up right now. The Atlantic Division. Go check that out. I also have my top ten, our top five destinations for Vladimir Tarasenko and where he could end up after we talked about on the podcast as well. So that's up right now. And then we're combining on way more articles. We got a week to get all of these uh, next three articles on the Seattle Kraken uh, out, right?
1: Yeah. So, right uh, up next is the Metro Division. And then it's going to be like the Central Pacific. And we'll have all that out by next Wednesday, which is when the actual expansion draft happens at 8 p.m. So, that's going to be interesting. I think like teams have like up until I think next Monday, I want to say. Yeah. I,
0: when does that list come out for us?
1: I think the day of. The day of. I think it'll come out for everyone to see publicly. And then you could see, I think I could be wrong. though.
0: That'd be pretty cool. Imagine the day of just like looking at the draft, like, damn, I got it wrong, but we'll see what happens. It's exciting for the NHL. We haven't seen this since 2017. I don't think we're going to be seeing it for a very, very long time. This expansion draft and especially with the free agents that we could possibly, possibly see. Kreichi, Hall, Rask, the Boston Bruins team as in general, could all be up in jeopardy. Grade eight, man. He's still not signed. Nothing has been said. No. Very quiet.
1: Yeah, very quiet on that front. And that's, I would be concerned if I was a Capitals fan.
0: (laughs) Play it, man. Play it.
1: Just play it. Very, very concerned.
0: (laughs) So we'll see what happens there. We'll keep you updated on everything on the breakdown sports on to End. But we will be back. Next week. Join us then.